You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to The Noble and Roosh Show, brought to you by Ball Is Life and Dash Radio. Welcome back to another episode of The Noble and Roosh Show, presented by Ball Is Life. I'm Roosh Williams with my co-host, Zach Noble, and today we have Chris Kirshner and Brad Rowland on, who covered the Atlanta Hawks. Fellas, how y'all feeling? Thank you for coming on. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Same. Thanks for the invite. No, happy to have you guys. We're really excited about the Hawks offseason. Um, it's one of the most exciting teams, I'd say, this year for me. I think they had one of the best offseasons by far. So um, let's start with you, Brad. What do you think of the Hawks draft? Let's just go right into the draft and just give me your takeaways of um, the pick at uh, number six with Onyeko Kangwu. And how do you think of that fared? I thought it was uh, a good idea, good, a good pick overall. He was a guy I was high on, so I think that was a, uh, a pretty good investment overall. Obviously, it doesn't like, address a need for the Hawks, but they knew that. They didn't, really, they didn't really have a lot of needs anyway, and I thought he was the best player available, so you can't really complain too much about that. I'm not sure how much he's going to play, but uh, that's, that's, a good, that's, that's a good problem for a team that's trying to win now to not have to rely on a rookie, and I think he's a long-term piece for them, and he makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Chris? I would agree with that. Um, you know, going into it, I, I did think that you know if, if they could get one of the the wings at the top of the draft, whether it was Isaac Okoro, um, you know Tyrese Halliburton, who's not really a wing, but he can be an off ball guard and, and play some on on the ball. Um, so uh, you know, going into it, I, I I knew that they were very high on Okongwu Halliburton. And who am I missing? Uh, Denny Avidia, but obviously they decided to go with Okongwu. Um, and like Brad said, he's not, I don't know how much he's going to necessarily play this year because they have Capella, who they got from Houston at the trade deadline. John Collins can play some five. Gallinari can play some five. Um, so they don't necessarily need Okongwu this year, but you know, moving forward as he matures, gets stronger, I do feel like he's going to be an important piece for them. So I personally think they went with best available. That's kind of how I looked at it. I think Okongwu has a top three ceiling in this draft. I think he could finish in top five, top three pretty easily here. He's a guy that's going to need time to get going. He's definitely very far from an unfinished product, but I like him a lot. I definitely would have liked Isaac Okoro probably a little better there, though. Um, I do agree with that fit-wise. How much time do you think he's going to get, Chris? Two. Uh, Off the bat, how many minutes per game, year one, you think? My guess is around 15-ish. Again, they they have so much depth, especially in the front court now. Boyd Pierce said before, like, they can even put DeAndre Hunter at the five if they want to go really, really small. Um, so with, with Okongu being 19, the, he just doesn't have to, to play just with how deep this roster is now. So my guess is just because on paper, he is the backup center. Uh, I would imagine he'd be getting around 15 ish minutes a night. 
Very good. And Brad, do you think they picked best available or do you think it was more um, a fit they needed? They wanted a backup big to um, hopefully be the future instead of Clint Capella. Yeah, I think it's best available for the most part. I think that's something that every team says that they're going to do, and then they don't always do it. But in this case, I feel like they probably just liked him the most. It was like they had to have someone at that spot, especially at the time. They had Dwayne Dedman. They had all kinds of stuff in terms of needing that player to really invest in behind Capella. So I imagine they just liked him, and it's the best player available pick, and it's a future pick. And that's what you want for if you're a team where the Hawks are trying to win now, investing in the future rather than the present is the way to go on the draft. Was there a second pick? Or I think they only had the one, really. At 50, they got Skylar Mays from LSU. Okay. They're so deep right now, and bringing in Rondo and Chris Dunn, I don't think he's going to touch the floor at all. Yeah, he's on, he's on a two-way, so I'd be surprised if he played much at all, unless they had a bunch of injuries, but it's good depth. For sure. So... Um, let's transition to free agency a bit. Bogdan, Danilo, Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Solomon Hill. I mean, that's a loaded crew. I think that's as deep as any team um, fared in the free agency. Uh, Brad, how do you think they did? I mean, do you think this is the way you wanted them to go after free agents, or would you look at it a different way, you think? I think they did well for what they wanted to do. Uh, they went out and spent all their money, basically, that they possibly could have. And that is, you know, it's a reasonable thing to do. They're ready to win. Um, you know, individually, was every move what I would have done? Probably not all the way across. Like, but at the same time, they they had a plan. They executed it. They added a bunch of quality talent, especially Gallinari and Bogdanovich. Those, those guys are legitimate, you know, plus starting NBA players. And they needed to win now. I mean, by all accounts, there's some pressure from somewhere to win. And and if you take that for what it is, the best way to do that with where they were was to just sign a couple of really good players that will help them to do that. So nothing grossly bad, in my opinion. I think there was some decent value to be had as well. And they just kind of added depth and talent. That's what they wanted to do. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, like Brad said, I, I didn't necessarily agree with all of the moves they made. Um just because for for one example, like Rajon Rondo giving him two years, $15 million, I think that's overpaying significantly um, for someone who, again, likely is going to be playing 15-ish minutes per night. And as we've seen over these past few seasons, Rondo's level of care in the regular season kind of varies um, game to game. So for the Hawks who are going to be needing to win every single night, if they can, um, it's not like the Lakers where, uh, they can take a night off and, you know, they can probably still win for the Hawks. They need to win every single game to, you know, get in the conversation of being one of the, you know, seventh or eighth seeds in the play in tournament. So you can position yourselves to just win one of those games when that time comes. So I didn't really necessarily agree with that signing giving Gallinari over $20 million a season to most likely come off the bench, not ideal, but because of the cap space they had, Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can get behind it. Who is he coming off the bench behind? John Collins. He's going to be the starting four um, okay. unless something major happens. Who's going to be the starting three? That is to be determined. Lloyd ain't letting it out of the bag yet. Well, I mean, he hasn't necessarily said any stars, but if you had, you know, just common sense with where the roster is, it's going to be between Cam Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter for the starting three spot. Trey Young's going to start at, at point guard. 
Bogdanovich at two, Reddish for Hunter at three, Collins at four, and then Capella at, at the five. But I, I again, I, I think with the moves they made, they have so much depth now where um, Lloyd has the luxury of going into matchups every single night and playing who he thinks are the best group. And that wasn't a luxury for him in any of his games in the past two seasons since he's been the head coach. No, I think he's got a great problem on his hands. I mean, that's a, it's a dream for many coaches. I mean, he's got proven players and Bogdanovich and Gallinari coming in, and he's got three other guys, Trey, Collins, Capella. I mean, and he's he's got a wide range of guys, but he's got all these young guys he's got to share minutes with and develop them yet. And I think um, Hunter, Herter, and um, Collins yet even, um, you know, throwing Cam yet. Uh they're just guys that need minutes. Um, I don't think they're guys that necessarily have a role yet. I think they, they're guys that need minutes to develop. Uh, Brad, how would you disperse those minutes in your estimation? It's going to be really interesting to see what they do, honestly. I mean, I don't have a like hard and fast opinion. It's more of those, because you have Gallinari, who's more of a four, you have to basically, one of those guys between Reddish and Hunter, it seems natural, would be kind of a more prominent piece. Whoever starts at the three, whoever they pick there, um, you know, leaning Reddish just probably seems to be where the consensus is at this point in time. But they have so many matchup kind of things, like matchup-driven lineup constructions that they could use. You know, I think fans might be interested slash maybe even frustrated at times with how little consistency there might be. There's so many options that early in the year, Lloyd Pierce has proven that he will tinker. He'll use 11, 12 guys on a night if he doesn't have a, a great feel for what they want to be doing. And with this short turnaround and the short training camp and all of the like extra back-to-backs and sort of the accelerated nature of this season, you may not see a whole lot of like consistent one guy's going to play 30 minutes a night exactly all the time. It's going to be pretty flexible. So uh, I'm trying to stay flexible with them and just kind of not make up my mind. But uh, yeah, I, I think they got to balance defense more than anything. That's the one thing that I'm concerned about if, if, I'm, if I'm a Hawks person is just making sure I have enough defenders on the court at any given time because they have offensive lineups that could be pretty devastating, but they have to figure out a way to get stops. Yeah, I my thing is, is defense. I mean, it's, it's defense mainly. They were poor in terms of offensive rating and defensive rating last season on uh, by every metric, really, I think they were bottom quarter of the league, if not worse. They don't really necessarily replace that with Bogdanovich, Gallinari. Uh, I was under the impression that Gallinari would be starting simply because of how much they're paying him. So that's why I asked those questions. It's interesting to hear that he's coming off the bench. Um, I'm from Houston, Rockets fan, so big Capella guy. Uh, you know, got a lot of love for Clint Capella. He can do a lot of good things. He's vulnerable in pick and roll defense, especially when he's guarding you know quicker guards on the perimeter. And I don't really think Trey Young is, is a good defender. So I question their defense. Um, so I kind of echo your sentiment there, Brad, to kind of talk more about what Chris was bringing up. I agree there were some, you know, some decisions they made, like Rondo, I think, is a questionable decision. I think Rondo is a piece that, that a contender can bring on, and he can supplement you know, stars on a contender like he did with LeBron. I think his veteran leadership for a younger team like the Hawks is a little or quite a bit overrated. Um, you know, Gallinari, I think he's a great player. I think he's really potent offensively. He has a tendency to kind of disappear in the playoffs. I think he's really slow laterally and vulnerable defensively as well. You know, so there's just a couple things I question. And, you know, is John Collins going to take that next step and kind of be, you know, put the star status behind the numbers that he's already been producing? So I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, the, the biggest problem that I think they face is that now they've spent all this money. There's a lot of hype around them. And I'm actually really excited that they're one of my league pass teams, I think, behind Phoenix in terms of like the dark horses that 
you know, kind of made big splashes that should be exciting to watch. But my worry is that with the expectations and the money they've spent now, they're still not necessarily even the the fifth or sixth most talented team, right? You got Miami, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn, now Washington with Russell Westbrook. They'll be potent offensively. Who knows? So I think that's kind of what the issue is that they're facing. Yeah, I would say, um, yes, they spent all their cap space. Yes, they gave multi-year deals. I think with Travis Schlenk, the general manager, he has shown that he has no problems being aggressive on the trade market. They he can because they now have the veteran guys who have value who are now on these contracts. They also have several young pieces now. I mean, they are in position if they want to get a, a star through trade to be able to do so. They have all their future picks. Um, they have the, the veteran contracts, like I said, they have several young pieces who have value and have proven in their couple of seasons that at worst they're rotation players. So, I mean, there, there's no reason to think that they are just in cap hell for yeah, the yeah. next several years because they, they can, they can make moves now. No, I'm with you completely. And I've been talking about the Hawks as a Bradley Beal destination for about a year and a half now. Um, I'd absolutely love him there. He'd be perfect next to Trey Young. If, if Russ went down with an injury or they started struggling early, I could see Bradley Beal being shipped out somewhere pretty quickly. And honestly, it, it's a huge thing, though, to disperse these minutes and develop these guys sooner than later so then you can be in the market for one of these stars. I don't know who else would really be out there besides uh, Bradley Beal. I, I hate to say it, but I mean, in a year or two, if these guys develop, I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, my guy, I hope that Timberwolves figure this out. So he's not begging out of there, but him and Trey Young would be unreal. <laughs> It'd be so fun together. But what do you think as is a realistic target and some potential trade targets for the Hawks, Chris? I mean, it's hard to say who's available and who's not. You know, I, I think someone like Ben Simmons would be great for this team as, you know, a really, really good defender who can handle the ball some. Towns, yeah, he's good. You know, if, if Philly decides that Embiid is the problem in, in Philadelphia for some reason, I think he would be great. Beal, I, I would worry about the defense because then you're having Trey and, and Beal, two of the worst defenders in the league together in the backcourt. Beal's been be great positive at times. I mean, a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't I don't know about that. Um, last year, I mean, last year he just played with the team because um, he was just so focused on getting his numbers, I thought, but Sure. Um, like 17, 18, I thought he was a pretty dang good defender when he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think he has the potential to, to definitely be a good defender. I, I would just, again, I would, I would personally worry about it. But as far as like stars who could become available, you just never know. As we've seen over these past few months and weeks, um, you never know who's going to request out of their situation. You never know, say, two, three months down the road from now, someone might be mad at their situation and, and want out. And again, I, I think that the Hawks have the pieces now to you know be in those conversations. Brad, what about you for trade targets? I mean, Oladipo possible at all? Not a guy that I'd be looking to get if I was the Hawks. I mean, it's it's possible. I, I don't trust the, the health Recovery. situation there. Yeah, I mean, 
it's possible he's back to where, his, where he used to be, but there's a reason why his market didn't really materialize in the offseason. It's because it's a one-year deal on a, on a guy who's not really be, not really proven right now to what you can, what you can actually do. Get him cheap. If you yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the upside, I guess, is that you could get him in. Your, you can get him in and have a look at him for relatively cheaply, but at the same time, like he's going to expect a lot of money, and you don't want to bring a guy in if you're not planning at least to pay him a lot of money. Um, I guess you could do that if you wanted to. I mean, the names that Chris said makes sense. It's it's all it really is all about who becomes available, and that's the mo- that's not a sexy answer, but it really is the case for star players, especially is that guys don't, don't get, guys like that don't don't get traded unless they want to be traded. They have to kind of announce it at least to some degree that they want to be, that they want out. So uh, it's all kind of the waiting game, and you have to just be set up and ready to pounce when it happens. Rude. Yeah, Ma- I, Magic City, James Harden, that's his spot. Well, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But I was gonna say uh, that I agree with. Um, with what Brad was saying, because people ask this question to me all the time, just so y'all know, like I'm, I'm from Houston, right? So Rockets um, and James Harden is obviously the talk of a lot these days. And so when people ask, Hey, what's the best deal for Harden? What do you think? That's like, that's the answer I give as well. You, you never know who's going to become disgruntled. You never know who's going to want out, right? It really depends on what happens in the season. Uh, when some teams have high expectations and they don't meet them, and the situation is already kind of on ice to begin with, like Bradley Beal in Washington. You know, if things go south, you just never know who's going to ask out. So I'm with that. I also wanted to say real quick while we're still talking before we get to Magic City, I was going to ask, what are the Hawks faithful's expectations uh, from Clint Capella? And I would, I'm going to open the floor if you have any questions, because I got to watch him you know, develop for a few years in Houston. So uh, you know, I kind of know his game as well. Are you asking what Hawks fans' expectations are, or just what the Hawks expect out of him? You know, for the both, team. both, yeah, for the team. Just like on the court, like what is his role expected to be? They traded for him. What are they expecting the strengths to be? Like, what are the reasons they want Clint Capella on that team? Well, the reason why they traded for him is because the the center position last year was an absolute disaster. Um, probably the worst position group across the NBA. They had guys like Damian Jones, Bruno Fernando, Alex Len, Dwayne Denman for part, um, for 15 ish games after they traded for him in Sacramento. But for the most part, it, it was a black hole and they needed some, they needed a, a, a long-term piece that they could have there. Capella is at least on paper when he was with Houston, a really good pick and roll partner with James Harden. Um, and they feel like he can do the same with Trey who has shown in his two seasons that he's really, really good in pick and roll. And that's pretty much what the Hawks' offense has been for the past two years. So offensively on paper, it should work really, really well um, with Trey on the other end of the floor. I, I feel like some Hawks fans are overrating Capella's defense to some degree. I, you know, I, you would assume that some Hawks fans think he's Rudy Gobert and in, 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 in a in Anthony Davis combined, but um, you know, he he is above average defensively. I, I again, I with the questions that I have right now. Um, about their defense overall, I, I do think that it might come to a point where they're putting a lot of pressure on Capella to be a rim protector. And yes, he is good, um, but I don't think he is on that all-world level that um, some Hawks fans seem to think he is. And I was kind of trying to steer you in that direction because that's my impression, um, that he is overrated a little defensively. Not that he's not, he's very good. He protects the rim well. He's got incredible length. Um, his his bounce and hops is elite, bar none. Um, and he has gone toe to toe. 
bad hands in traffic. He's good above. The, he can get up though and finish. He's bad off the bounce. He's not bad. He's just not good off the bounce. I mean, he's gone toe to toe with Rudy Gobert twice in the playoffs and played pretty damn well against him. Did not get outplayed. Uh, he did the same with Carl Anthony Towns a couple years ago. He can definitely play like great player. I just think that Houston did the same thing, cry. right? Yeah, Houston did the same thing, right? They they kind of over relied on Capella patrolling the paint and being able to kind of be the stopgap of, of you know all things, and he's not able to do that. So I kind of I kind of foresee something similar to that happening in Atlanta. Brad, I got to ask you because defense is the biggest question mark on this team. What players do you believe have like positive defensive potential? Because I believe Hunter, Herder, and Reddish can all get there. I mean, if they're developed properly. Um, Nate McMillan should be able to help with that, but uh, I'm not guaranteeing they all become positive. I think there's a good chance of it, but I mean, Trey Young's effort's going to help dictate that a little bit, in my estimation. And I believe Collins can be a positive defender, if not a really good one. I'm one of the biggest, biggest John Collins truthers out there. So who do you believe in um, defensively on this team? Yeah, I think the guys that you mentioned, I mean, for the most part, they have some weaknesses for sure. Like, I think, obviously, Trey Young is one defensively. Gallinari is one defensively. Um, they have some other guys who are a little bit more questionable, but I think Reddish is a plus defender already and, okay. should, and should get better. Uh, Chris Dunn, is that's why he's there. He's yeah. an awesome perimeter defender. Uh, Capella is a at least an above-average guy at center. Uh, I think Collins took a huge step forward last year. He's not great still, but it was a big improvement that people didn't necessarily notice because the Hawks were not very good last year uh and then like you know hunter's the guy also that's i think it's a big swing point for them they, they drafted hunter largely for his defense and he was not particularly great defensively last year i think he has the tools still rookies are generally kind of bad in general so I, I don't worry too much about one year but he has to also get better so those are the guys i've been looking at in terms of making it a positive defensive impact they should be better than they were last year defensively just by default and because of capella but that's where the swing is for me. I think offensively they're going to be they're going to be pretty good or better, but defensively they have to avoid being one of those like bottom five teams again. So in order to make the playoffs, what what do you project these guys to be offensively, and what do they have to be defensively to make the playoffs? Like if if they're absolutely going to make it, like for me, I think they can be a top seven offense, but it'll probably be a top ten to twelve offense. But in order to make the playoffs, they got to find a way to be. Top 17 in defense somehow, maybe even top 15 most of the year, but um, they got to finish in the top 17. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I would agree with that. Um, in, in my estimation, um, you know, they might be putting a little bit too much pressure and expectations on guys like Radish and Hunter to take a, another step forward on that end of the floor because sometimes when guys are going into their second year um you know progression isn't always linear there's going to be some bumps and, and hiccups along the way and if those two guys you're counting you're banking on them um being really good on that end of the floor um you know it, it could run into problems but just with increasing the level of talent on the roster overall, the defensive issues that they had in these past two seasons, particularly last one, um, should be less pronounced and they should just overall be better defensively just because they have actual NBA players and not, you know, corpses of former NBA players on the floor um, for most of the game. So they should take a step forward defensively. I don't know if they can be 
top 15 good. Um, if they're top 15 good in my estimation, that, that would mean that Reddish and Hunter got really, really better in their second year. Capella is, you know, still good. There's no lingering effects with his heel. Um, you know, he hasn't played since January 29th cause he had plantar fasciitis. Um, so that's almost a year of basketball that he hasn't played. If he continues to show improvement on that, um, with that, and there's no lingering effects, then, you know, it's possible they become top 15. Um, you know, I, I do think that, you know, 17, 18, 19, and a really, really good offense is, um, very likely, um, for them this year. I would also add to that, that, um, I think Nate McMillan is going to be huge. Nate McMillan will be instrumental in their defensive development. I was really hoping that the Rockets would be able to add Nate, Nate McMillan, but um, he has a pretty good track record recently. Uh, I don't have it off the top of my head, but he had solid defensive teams in Indiana for most of the time. I think he had mm-hmm. at least one, if not two, top 10 defensive teams with Indiana. So I think that's going to be huge. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think they could be a playoff team. And playoff team, I mean top eight team, if they're just not horrific on defense. I think the bar is a little bit lower just because they will be good on offense. You know, how good they are is up for debate, but they have the capability of being a top five or six team on offense. I wouldn't predict that necessarily, but they could if, if they do that, they can just be like twenty fourth on defense and still make the playoffs. So there's some room there. Uh, they they just can't be 28th or 29th again. That's kind of the baseline that I would say for the Hawks because I I, I do kind of trust the offense. They're going to be better defensively. I just don't know how much better. So that's the sw- that's the swing point for me. Is just like where's the baseline because they can't be as bad as the Wizards and the Cavs or it's not going to work. What's your offensive projection though? What where do you think they fall? Somewhere in like the seven to nine range, something like that. Uh, with some room above that, I'll be surprised if they're not, and that's closer to six than ten. I, I agree. I mean, I think that they are one of the one of the eight most talented teams in the East. I mean, we already listed off Boston, Toronto, Miami, Philly. All right. So a big thing with this Hawks team being they're really young and not fully developed yet. I think they have a long ways to go to reach their full potential. I call me crazy. I've been saying this to a lot of people. I think on paper. They have a championship roster if these guys develop to where I think they can get to. It's an extremely hot take, I know, but I believe in these players that much. You guys got to tell me where you think each one of these players can get to in your mind and how far away they are from a championship roster if they all meet their full potential. Like I'm as big of a Trey Young and John Collins guy as there probably is. I also was very high on Okongwu. Um, I think he's got a much higher ceiling than... Clint Capella, just I'm not so sold on Lloyd Pierce and developing these guys. So the percentages of them getting there isn't very good, but I think in principle, they can get there in my mind if this guy can actually develop these guys. So where, Brad, do you think these players can get individually? Like for me, like John Collins could become a top 20 player. Trey Young could become a top 10 player. Um, And I think Trey Young can be even way better than that, like top seven. Maybe even top five if he somehow got close to a plus defender. I don't think he'll ever get to a plus defender. But if you had like a guy like Chris Dunn, a bulldog, you can raise him and get him close to that point. But where do you think these individual talents can get? Yeah, I think, you know, Trey Young is the easy one there. I think Trey Young could absolutely be a top 10 player in the league. Um, he's so good on offense that the defense, it does matter. I'm a big defense guy. Um, but with him, 
he'll be at a level if he continues to progress the way that many think he will that he he'll be a pretty unanimous like top five offensive player and if you just knock him down a little bit defensively you still have a top 10 player just because offense is more important than defense especially a point guard etc so i think that his ceiling is certainly you know mvp candidate kind of thing uh, at least a couple times in his career we saw that last year like his offensive level is already um, pretty ridiculous collins is a little bit harder it comes down to defense and also whether he can kind of create more for himself right now he's a little bit more dependent offensively and not in a bad way he's such an elite efficiency guy he's so productive that it's not a bad thing but he has not necessarily taken the next step to be like more of the playmaker shot creator for himself and others that a lot of guys need to be to be able to make that 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 jump and then defensively i said before like i think he got a lot better defensively last year in year three but he got he, he got more towards average than game changing positive so that he has some room to grow there too I don't, I don't know if that means top 20 player in the future but he's still he's still young enough where you could see him being a multi-time all-star if it comes together i wouldn't necessarily project that um but i, I think that's definitely in the cards with where he can actually get because he is so productive already so efficient and so young what about Hunter Herder Reddish? I mean, you don't have to go in depth on them, but like, do you are do you believe in any of those guys on a high level? Because like, I think Reddish. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get there for the Hawks, but if he went somewhere else, I truly think he could become like a top thirty type player. I believe in him that much. I think Reddish is definitely the highest upside of those three. Um, especially if you buy him as a creator offensively. I think his, he, he came on a lot last year in the second half of the year. I don't, I try not to overreact to that, but he definitely flashed enough where you sort of buy it. And I buy the wing defense already. So yeah, he's the guy, he's the guy out of those three that has real, you know, high and upside. I don't know if it's top 30 upside, but he has like top 50 upside to be sure. And I think probably even if you want to like squint at, in terms of the highest, highest level, he can get beyond that. You know, whether it happens in Atlanta, whether it happens at all, is up for debate. You know, he's still a rookie that wasn't great last year for the most part, but he did flash enough where there's a lot to like there. And Hunter and Herder, you just hope those guys become starters. That'd be great for you in terms of upside. Whether they get there or not is is another question, but those guys are more always they were always gonna be role players, whereas Reddish probably will be too, but he he at least has more star equity than the other two do. Yeah, I agree with all that. Chris, what about you? I mean, I'm not asking for what you necessarily project. You can throw that in there. But I mean, best case scenario that you see if they reach their full potential. I think the best case scenario, if all of them reach their potential, at least for this season, is probably the sixth seed in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I can't really see them beating teams like Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Miami, Milwaukee, maybe Toronto. Um, they can pass Indiana. They might pass. Um, but if I think that's the, the most realistic outcome for them. I think realistically that they're, they're probably um, going to be fighting for the seventh seed with Indiana, if I were to guess, if things um, you know, break correctly for the Hawks, I think they could definitely be the seventh seed this season and you know be in that playing tournament. I, I, again, um, you know, even if you're the seventh seed this year, it doesn't necessarily mean you're making it in the playoffs because then you have to play in the playing tournament. So I, I think for the Hawks, I would be surprised if they were not in the playoff in the play-in tournament um, this season, if everything goes well for them and there's no injuries and there and there's no sicknesses. All right, Roosh, what what do you think for 
this season or just overall in general? Because when when I'm saying those terms like top 20, top seven type guy for Trey, I'm not talking this year. Uh, but yeah, give me your outlook on some of these players and then a season prediction. I think Chris nailed it. I think that they will they will be fighting with Indiana for something like the seventh seed. I also think Brad nailed it. Trey Young is probably he has top ten potential. Um, he has you know top five offensive potential. I think his weakness is on defense, but he can still be a force in the league. You know that does have the like if the Hawks have t- some top two, top three type seasons with Trey Young at his prime, um, top two, top three seeds with Trey Young at his prime then he, he will be an MVP candidate, right? So I think he's going to have some seasons like that. Um, Clint Capella, I think, is kind of capped and maxed at what he is. You know, he's a, he's a good defensive guy. He, he, he's going to get you some blocks. He's a great alley-oop threat, uh, lob threat. Do people even say alley-oop anymore? Um, he's a great lob threat. Uh, so, you know, I think he's going to be what he's going to be. Uh, I'm not too high on Cam Reddish, to be honest with you. I think Bogdanovich is going to be kind of what we see a 17, 19 point per game score. He might have like a breakout season where he hits like 22 or something like that, depending on the role he plays. And I think the one that I'm, that I'm most interested in is John Collins, right? Cause he's got all the tools if he puts it. To, and I'm also interested, interested to see how Collins and Capella fit together. I feel like there are some duplicated kind of values and skill sets, but if he can put things together, he really has potential to kind of hit a next level. Now, with that being said, if, you know, they underachieve individually or even collectively. I, I still think if you have a core of like Trey Young, a couple of the wing pieces, uh, the, the younger wing pieces that can hopefully, like Chris said, become starters for you. Or I, did Brad say that? Maybe Brad said that. They can hopefully become starters for you. Um, and if you can keep either like Collins or Capella in place, then I think you're able to trade for a James Harden maybe potentially if things go awry in Houston. Or you could trade for a star. And, and in that event, I think you would need to surround Trey Young with another star and then a couple vets. And then I think you have a contender, right? If you got like Collins and Trey Young and like Harden or you know, Capella and Trey Young and whoever it may be. Um, and you have some of the, some of the guys, the younger guys that are actually being developed and groomed coming in place and developing on the pace that you expect. Right. So maybe two years from now, three years from now, whatever. I think that's kind of the outlook. And I do think that they're going to be talented and they will definitely be fighting for a playoff spot. So it's kind of like the growing pains that younger teams go through, right? They're going to have to make their appearance. And then in a couple of years, hopefully if things go right down the line and, and all the moves that the organization is making begin to work, you know, then we're going to see the Hawks start to contend, I think. Oh man, we're, I'm just saying this now. We're cutting that clip of Roosh saying Hawks are trading for James Harden and we're going to kill him on Rockets Twitter. Uh <laughs> But with, with that said, let's uh, close with this, Brad. Give me your prediction. Are you predicting playoffs? What seed? And then give me one player that you think is going to improve the most this year on the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I will predict the playoffs. I think it comes down to seven versus eight for me. I, I, I lean seven. I'm not a Pacers guy, so I will lean mm-hmm. Hawks finishing seventh in the East. One player that will improve the most. It almost has to be one of the rookies from last year. So I will say DeAndre Hunter. Also, like Brad, I will go with the seventh seed for the Hawks. I I just think that they have enough talent. They're very deep. They're one of the deepest teams in the NBA, actually. And I think the the player who will will improve the most this year, um, I think Reddish will continue off where he... um, 
where we last saw him in March and um, be one of the more improved players in the Eastern Conference this year. That's my pick. Um, I'm also going to double down on that. I'm going to say Hawks are the seventh seed. I'm going to go Cam Reddish improves the most this year. He's got the furthest way to go. Uh, I just hope he gets the opportunity. I'm just, that's what I'm worried about. Um, he's got huge task. Lloyd Pierce has a huge task on his hand. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Um, Bruce, give it to you. Yeah, I just want to say thanks, guys, for coming on. And before we go, though, uh, Chris, I just wanted to ask, obviously, uh, you had a great piece on Magic City, and I just wanted to ask you, how were those wings and kind of, you know, what was that experience like? I think it's just very interesting. Uh, the wings were great. I highly recommend them. They're actually on DoorDash if uh, you're in the Atlanta area and, and you live close enough to have Magic City delivered. If you don't want to go to a strip club in the middle of a pandemic, which I don't recommend, it, and it is something that I did do. Um, <laughs> it uh you know you, you can get them delivered but i definitely would recommend them they're they're uh top 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 notch for sure is it just the like wings i mean they're they're they all timers i wouldn't say they're my favorite wings ever but they're definitely good like i would definitely like eat them on a regular occasion if i, <laughs> I if i wanted wings. vegas like, has got some pretty good wings too yeah i mean like they they definitely are really really good Yo, are they like, is it just like straight, you know, OG, like hot flavor or like what, what did you order? Do they have a variety? Um, like, yeah, they have a variety. I, I went there f- because that was a f- couple days after Lou Williams broke quarantine. Um, I got the Lou Will lemon pepper barbecue just because like I was there for Lou Williams. So I had to get the, the, the flavor that is named after Lou Williams, of course. Naturally. Yes, of course. Well, that's, that's awesome, man. Well, hey, Brad, Chris, we really appreciate your time. It was a lot of fun talking to Hawks. There were, like I said, I'm really excited to see what that team becomes. Uh, I love Trey Young's game. So cheers to the best. Thanks a lot. Guys, appreciate you. Um, John Collins better not get traded. I just hope it all works <laughs> out. Uh, I want to see Trey and John together forever. They're a match made. I uh, hope they can find the defense somewhere. This is a team that I really believe in and hope it prevails. And you guys have a blast covering. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate thanks, it. Guys. Enjoy it. Take care. Later guys. Thank you. And to everyone else, rate, subscribe, all that bullshit. <laughs> Get at it. Damn,